Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is tea time. Miss Liz is back for another afternoon tea. That's right. We are here in the afternoon and we are having tea with the incredible Kelly Brackenhoff. She is an ALS interpreter, an author, children's writer, incredible, incredible woman. So we're going to get her to jump into the studio. But before we start that, we're going to do the disclaimer, get all that good stuff under the, under the table. And then we're going to spill some good old TEA today with some good strong tea. Disclaimer for Miss Liz is Tea Times live shows. Miss Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard.com. Please leave a message and a comment. Please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Times show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogue and opinions that may not represent my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the given time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participations are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that this show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you feel if you have any questions about this disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact myself, Miss Liz, at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in this show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. Should you decide that this show is not meant for you at this time, I respect that and I will see you at a future show at a later date. Now let me get my incredible, incredible guest in the studio with me. And I'm just going to do a little short bio. And if you want to check out her full bio, you can check out Miss Liz's Tea Times Facebook page. Welcome, 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 Kelly. Hi, how are you? I am good. And we are here to spill a good, strong cup of tea today. So a little bit on Kelly. Kelly Brackenhoff is an author of seven books and an ALS interpreter from Nebraska. She divides her writing energy between two series, Cozy Mystery Sets on a College Campus, and Picture Books featuring Duke the Deaf Dog. So, Kelly, how did this all begin, and how did you get all of these incredible books out there? <laughs> well, um, let's see. I actually started, I mean, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was little. Um, it was kind of a dream I always had, but as we all know, sometimes dreams have to wait. So I got married and had a family and 
waited until my kids were almost out of high school before I decided to get serious about finishing my first book, which has just always been a dream. Uh, so the NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month in 2014 was my first one. And if you're not familiar with that, the challenge is during the month of November, during 30 days, you try to write 50,000 words in the book. And I took that challenge and actually completed it. So I completed my first novel um, during November of 2014, but it wasn't very good <laughs> because I was down there slamming down words every day for 30 days. And so it took me about five years to get it revised and edited and to the point where someone might actually want to read it. <laughs> and so that was the first book I published in 2019. And it, it's a mystery um, set on a college campus where the main character's name is Cassandra Sato. And she moves from her island home in Hawaii to take her dream job in the middle of Nebraska, which happens to be where I live. Now, of course, no one would ever do that because no one wants to move from Hawaii to Nebraska, but she does because it's her dream job. And then of course there's like dead bodies and she has to figure out who did it. And then it kind of goes from there. So well, almost like a murder mystery kind of type. It right? is, it's a murder mystery. And so there's three books right now in that series and they kind of follow her first semester at her job. Um, of course, you know, it hasn't turned out the way she expected. Um, she she gets reunited with an old friend. She kind of meets a couple of potential romances. But, you know, this this dead body count just keeps piling up. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. It's been a great time um, writing that series. And it was just great to see a dream that I had always had actually, like, come to fruition. Well, that's pretty incredible. 50,000 words. Like that is a lot of words for anybody who is a writer out there. We know that those are a lot of words and a lot of hard, hard times, you know, but it, it you at least tried, right? You got yourself started. So 2014 was actually your stepping stone and then you continued on and built. So yeah. that's truly incredible. I think your idea of the tribe is really important because throughout my experiences, I've kind of, found different groups that I can support and that can support me just kind of where I am on the journey. So the first group I got connected to was the NaNoWriMo group and um, it's a nonprofit organization. So in November, there's like a couple hundred thousand people around the world following this challenge and the organization's great. You sign up online for free and they have, um, they link you up with people all over the world. They're, they even have local chapters and you can meet up with people in your your area that are also doing it so that it's like an online thing, but it's also can be in person if you want. They send encouraging emails every day. They answer all kinds of questions. So it's just like really hyped up and it works out to 1,667 words a day, which kind of sounds like a lot, but if you sit down and write, you can usually get that in two or three hours if you really try. Um, but that was kind of the first tribe of people that I met who kind of just helped me get over that hump. And then along the way, I've kind of joined other groups and done other things just based on the things that I needed to learn. Well, I like that you mentioned that you had to join other groups and support, right? Because that's what we need. It's it's not a one-time journey. It's a journey of connecting and staying connected, right? And reaching out for that support because writing is hard. It's, you know, yeah, pen to paper, but that's a lot. So is this every November that this is happening? It does, yes. Um, I think the first one was in 2012, if I'm right. And I had heard about it, it might even be earlier than 2012, but it, when I first heard about it, I kind of thought about it for a couple of years and just was never in a place where I could do that because you do kind of have to devote some time to it. And like I had a family, so they had to understand that in the evenings I was going to be writing or ignoring them and that dinner wasn't going to be on the table. So they were very um, understanding and supportive of my goal. And so, yeah, they every year it's a great thing if someone is really just kind of starting out and likes a good challenge my my philosophy is i can do anything for 30 days 
Like it's a short time. So it's, I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to give up sleep. I'm willing to whatever 30 days I can do just about anything. I mean, you might not want to do it every day, but for 30 days, it's a good challenge. So are you going to be taking part in this again this year? I usually do it every year. Um, the last couple of years, I have not done the full 50,000 words just because I haven't been in the point of a manuscript where I needed to do that. Like a couple of times I've just edited a book that I had already written or whatever, but I do, I mean, now that I do this, like as my part-time job, mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time every day working on my writing business. So it's not kind of new to me anymore. So I, I don't really do the challenge maybe exactly as I did the first time when I really needed that push to get over the hump. Well, that's cool. So anybody that wants to check that out, I'll have to get the information from you and I'll put that on Miss Liz's page for sure, because yeah, that's really an incredible challenge, especially if you're a writer, you, you know, you want to kind of just try these challenges because it pushes you, it motivates you as well. You know, and sometimes it opens a door. Sense, sorry, the community sense of it is great too, because you don't feel like you're alone. Like there's all these people, there's tons of um, emails, there's tons of encouragement, like you can get on a Facebook group and there's just all these people with the same questions and the same experience. And it's just kind of fun to do something as a, as a large community where you feel like you're part of something bigger. They also um, started, uh, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, the same group. So people who take part in the challenge can donate money to the organization. Oh. And then they in turn give out free writing worksheets and, and stuff for schools so like there's entire schools where like a teacher will say our kids my kids in my english class are going to join NaNoWriMo and so the kids in school as part of their class will write or sometimes they'll have it be like an after school club and so that there's a whole educational component of NaNoWriMo where they give free materials and free information to support teachers who want to do that with their students so Again, it's just really cool like that this is all going on. It's all free. It's all it's just like to build up the community because I think the heart of it is that like every story matters. Like every person has a story and every person's story matters. And so it just it gives like people a, a potential to tell their story, you know, and whatever form that takes. It doesn't have to become a published manuscript. It could just be that cathartic thing of telling your story well and you can check it off the bucket list right that you exactly. tried because that's exactly. the thing right trying is important yeah. you don't try you don't know right exactly. and it's like you said you weren't you weren't happy with your 2014 but then in 2019 you're like oh yes i did this you know very so, much very much so now i want to get into the children's book what got you into children's books kelly <laughs> um well i have four children uh, so I have lots of life experience. Um, and uh, when our kids were little, one of their favorite um, book series was the Little Critters series. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yep. But he's like this fuzzy little creature and he has a family. And each book kind of addresses like a social situation or a social skills thing. Like he gets a new sister or he doesn't want to go to bed or... Um, he gets in trouble. I mean, it's just like everyday life situations. So that was like my kids, one of their favorite series growing up. And then when I was, after I wrote my mystery books, I was kind of thinking like, okay, my day job is an American Sign Language interpreter. So I use ASL every day. I've been doing this for over 30 years. Um, I hang out with deaf people all the time. I've seen in my work a lot of things that just the way that people treat deaf people, the way that people think that like if you can't hear or you can't speak English clearly that you're not as smart as other people or the way people kind of discriminate against them and, you know, hiring them for jobs. I've seen like a lot of kind of really yeah. difficult things. And so I was trying to just think of like, well, how can I contribute my special skills to the writing world? And so I thought of making a children's series that um, would teach just children anywhere, like a little bit of sign language. When I first um, learned sign language, I was in high school and I just wanted to talk to my friends that were deaf. 
So I just learned enough sign language so that I could have a conversation with them. And so my kind of, I guess, grand idea is that I would love little kids to learn ASL when they're little so that they can grow up. And then when they have classmates or friends, they know enough to just have a conversation and not be afraid to approach someone who uses sign language, you know, just go out there and be able to at least fingerspell your name and have a little conversation. So when I, when I finally decided, okay, yes, I want to do a children's book and I want to include ASL. I had a, a, a 30 years worth of situations and things that I just thought, okay, if your average kid growing up, that's deaf, these are things that they have experienced. So the first book is called Nevermind. Uh, the, each book kind of has a message for the kids, the parents and the educators. Um, for Nevermind, the message is that everyone deserves to be included in conversation. Lots of times we tell people, Never mind if they ask us to repeat something. We don't stop to think like how that feels to be told, never mind. Mm -hmm. And I mean, after I published that book, you would not believe how many people came up to me and they were like, oh, I do that to my husband or I do that to my mom <laughs> or, you know, I have, oh, you know, they like it hits you because it yep. like makes you think like, um, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's not just deaf people, it's, and it's not just children. It's like people who have autism or people who just maybe take a little bit longer to answer something or maybe just ask, you know, for more clarification. So it really like has hit home with a lot of people who are like, oh, wow, I actually do that. And I really don't want to because when you kind of think, stop and think about the other side, it's like, ooh. Yeah. Well, and, and it's true, right, Kelly, because you use the word never mind. And a lot of us use it without even thinking, right? And this is how much words impact lives. You know, simple words like never mind has really maybe changed someone's life for the day. They're like, okay, I'm never going to say it again. I'm never going to talk about that again. You know, they'll never feel comfortable coming to you again because you're like, never mind. I don't have time for it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so that's really powerful, especially for children, you know, because how many times do we tell the children, never mind, leave it alone, don't say that, you know? So it's really, really empowering. So what did you learn about yourself with that book when you wrote that book? I learned so much because I didn't know anything about writing a children's book and I had to do a lot of research. I just knew I had this message that I kind of wanted to put out there. Um, I got really lucky because... I decided to make the main character Duke the Deaf Dog here. Let me get, I got a picture. So the main character is Duke and he's a deaf dog. And oh, he's so cute. I love him. He's so cute. He is. He's adorable. And my, um, I knew I wanted a dog. I knew I wanted him to be deaf. I really didn't know anything else. My sister happens to be an artist and she's a really, really good artist. Not just like, hey, my sister can draw. Like, She's a for real artist. <laughs> She's so, good. Yeah, I got down on my hands and knees and I said, hey, I have this great idea. <laughs> Can you draw me a dog? Illustrate my children's book. And after she stopped laughing, she said, sure, I'll do one for you. So she's actually the illustrator. And um, she did a bunch of research on what kind of, oops, what kind of dog would be deaf so like um in real life like dogs that are deaf tend to have blue eyes it's like a genetic thing so she yeah i read something about eyes. that about dogs with the yeah. blue eyes and she she put a little hearing aid on him i mean it's it's adorable so she like i just wrote the text and then she kind of came up with you know his family what they look like all the background and stuff she's she's just amazing so we kind of together just kind of figured out how to do this. And like I said, I kind of had my idea of those little critter books in the back of my head. And so they're kind of similar 
to mind where, you know, each book has like a social skill and a life lesson and that kind of thing. The cool thing is at the end of each book, there's actually a professional article. I get, I get some of my friends to write an article that's kind of geared towards parents or teachers. Okay. So this first book, um, every page, not every page, but throughout the book, there's um, pictures of this woman who's a friend of mine named Amy Wilman, and she does signs. So there's okay. like a photo of some of the signs in the book on some of these pages. And so she also teaches at the local college here at the University of Nebraska. And so she writes like a professional article about the words never mind. So like we said, they're an English word, but in American Sign Language, it doesn't really make sense. So there's actually five different scenarios in the book. So like never mind can mean a lot of things, right? Never mind could mean nothing. Um, it can mean it doesn't matter. It could mean I'm not going to tell you. I'm too. I just don't feel like telling you right now. It could mean don't worry, or it could just mean like um, that you feel ignored. You know, when you feel like someone tells you never mind, you feel ignored. So she actually writes all about that in the back of this. Then I also invite some deaf people that I know to share stories of times when they, you know, how that affected them. So in the back of every single book, I have stories from my deaf friends and a professional article, which I think really makes the books helpful for teachers and parents to kind of learn about deaf culture in addition to just a fun story. Well, and I think it's really important to educate children, right? Because you just never know what could happen. You know, you could lose your hearing overnight. Like myself, I'm half deaf and I, I lost it through others, other reasons. But I mean, you just never know what could happen, right? So you want to be prepared mm -hmm. and you want to have that understanding in that. And I think that's why I really wanted to connect with you, Kelly, was because I wanted to understand the ALS. Like the American Sign Language, how hard is it to learn? Um, have you ever learned another language? Do you, how, did you take Spanish in high school or French or anything? I took a little bit of Spanish. Okay. So I would say that learning, um, ASL is just like learning Spanish or French, like what you would take in school. You know, there's the vocabulary, there's the grammar, the syntax, um, the slang, all of that. So, um, most people can, if you take like a conversational class, you could probably learn how to do that in just a few months. You okay. know, just like I've gone to Europe several times and before I go, I try to learn some conversational phrases, you know, so that I can get myself from A to B in a cab or go find out where the bathroom is or order food. So it's kind of the same thing where you can figure out enough phrases that you can get by in a conversation. But if you actually want to like learn the language, that takes years. I mean, it can take like if you take it for college credit, you end up having to take four semesters of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So just like so it, just like any language, really. Yeah. So is it is the ALS taught in the schools? Like, is there a classroom for the sign language? It kind of depends on your school district um, here where I live, the several of the high schools offer ASL as a foreign language. And um, our university also does, that's where Amy, my friend in the book with the, does the pictures, she teaches at the University of Nebraska. So quite a few universities have it. Some of them you can use it for your foreign language requirements. Also a lot of community colleges have it. And actually even online, um, I don't know if you've heard of Gallaudet University, it's in Washington, DC, it's the only university in the world for deaf people, like exclusively. And uh, they have some online, some really good online uh, programs that you can take where you can learn some ASL just online. So it's not being taught in the elementary departments, right? Um, I mean, some I know some schools here local that have it like as an after school club. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like a summer camp or something like that, right? Or just, you know, um, sometimes they'll have like chess club that meets every week on Tuesday after school. So some some schools have like a, a sign language club that meets after school. Oh, cool. So now let's get back to Duke. Where did <laughs> Duke's name come from? Okay, well, this is weird because my dog actually is named Duke. 
he doesn't look anything like that. He's not orange. He's not deaf. But I just like the name and the Duke the Deaf Dog kind of all goes. Yeah, it kind of has a nice flow. I try to I try to be very clear that he's a fictional character. He's not my dog. My dog is a German wire hair pointer and he can hear. He's a hunting dog. But I just like the name. I just thought it kind of rolls off your tongue. Right? It has a nice flow, just like a cup of tea. So right. now I'm going to get into, Kelly, what is your tea? My tea? Well, I I know that the, the main thing in your show is teaching, and I really can't, I can't, uh, I can't think of any other word that I like better. So teach, teaching would be my first one. And then energy. Ooh. I have a lot of energy, except maybe today. I'm a little less energetic today, but usually I have a lot of energy. <laughs> we'll get you moving. We'll spill that yeah. tea. And then my last one is access. Oh, I like it. I wasn't expecting any of those. I was actually expecting the American Sign Language for your A. I was like, oh, I read you. But, oh, that is cool. It's a really, really strong tea. It really, it really describes you as well your energy and that, and, you know, getting involved and staying connected in that as well. Really, really strong tea, Kelly. And uh, that's what we do here on Tea Time is we serve tea, but we serve tea in a different way. We teach it through their stories and through who they are. Like I said, I can't serve your tea, only you can. And teaching is one thing that you that you have done through your writing and that. So I want to get more into these children's books, where can we find them? And are they in the schools? Can they get in the schools? And can services get these books? Sure. Um, so they're available anywhere you can get books. Um, they're published on Amazon. And they're also available through the Ingram book group. So libraries and schools can order them. Also, I just have them direct on my website too. Um, so I've really made it a point to reach out to school districts and all the schools for the deaf in the U.S. to um, tell them about the books and, uh, you know, try to get them into the school libraries. Um, I mean, it's great when individual families buy them, too, but I really think it's important that um, pretty much any elementary school, I think, should have them because um, they, they're great. Like, it's not just for kids in special ed. It's not just for deaf kids. I mean, it's kind of great that deaf kids can have a book that has a character who's deaf or hard of hearing in the book. I think there's very few books out there that have books that have characters who are deaf. And yeah. so, of course, you want a variety of you want diversity in books you want kids to be able to open it up and see someone like themselves and see someone wearing a hearing aid or signing in the books that's great but it's also great for the kids who can hear to be aware of like what kind of things do those deaf kids experience and so i think it's good for any kid it doesn't matter if they can hear or not i think they're just great in the classroom i've gotten amazing feedback from lots of teachers who use them in their classes and think that they're awesome. I actually also actually published um, accompanying workbooks. So I have a friend who's a deaf educator and she writes the lesson plans for me. So it's a complete script of if you were going to teach this for a half an hour or 45 minutes, here's the script of what to say, the questions of what to ask. I have videos on YouTube of Amy, the person in the book, actually doing the signs on YouTube so that, because on a page, sometimes you can't tell if it's moving, like the silent or um, laugh, laugh, basketball. You can't tell by looking at yeah. the picture how to do it. So you can go on the videos and see how to make the signs correctly. And then she also does the entire story in sign language and she's hilarious and she's a great storyteller. So she really hams it up and they're fun to watch. That way kids can watch it over and over and over and learn and the parents can do it too. So yeah, I have those, I have workbooks that have, you know, worksheets and stuff that people can order or schools can order so that they can just do like a whole lesson plan. It's basically like a curriculum all oh. in one package. Oh, that's really cool. 
especially when school's starting out there. So for any of the listeners and viewers that are watching right now or watching the replay, and if you're a school teacher and you want to know more, you can reach out to Kelly and get this in, into your classroom. It might be a reading in downtime, you know. Uh, I really like that you brought the images in of the hearing aids because then it also shows children, other children that may have a hearing problem, you know, and say, oh, let me reach out and let me be buddies with somebody, you know, like let's start making friends instead of pulling aside, get connected and start joining in that. So you also have another book that's coming out or is it out after Duke the uh, 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 Where am I here? <laughs> you have another book or is that one before? Well, I can show you here. I get my other two. I got one more right here. So right now, so I showed you never mind. This one's called Hearts Make Noise. Oh, that's the one that I was thinking of. Because um, if you can't hear, someone needs to tell you that there's like noises that are polite and noises that aren't polite. So this, this is the book where um, we have all kinds of things like that are loud or quiet. And then he finds out that, um, yeah, people can sometimes hear your farts. And so um, this is, of course, popular with people who think like 12-year-old children everywhere, right? And then the third book is called My Dog Koa. That's the one. Is his friend, so his best friend, Koa, Duke's family. Duke is the only one in his family who's deaf. His parents and his brothers can all hear. And sometimes he kind of feels. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Left out or just different. Um, Koa's whole family is deaf, so his parents and his sister all are deaf. And so in their house, they use sign language, and they have some different technology, and they just kind of do things a little bit differently. And so when they go play at each other's house, Duke kind of sees what it's like over at Koa's house with his parents that are deaf. And that happens in real life, too, where um, if your parents you know, come from a different culture or a different background, then they kind of do things a little different in their house. One of the cool things about growing up and playing with other kids at their houses is you get to see what's different from yours. Like it's not right or wrong. And just, just to see what's different. Absolutely. And where did the name Koa come in? Uh, um, one of the guys who uh, contributed to Farts Make Noise has a dog named Koa, and I thought that was such a cool dog name. And it spoke to me um, when I was first married. We lived in Hawaii for five years, and Koa is a really uh, popular or just a very widespread type of wood from Hawaii. So they make things out of Koa wood, like. Oh furniture and it's gorgeous beautiful dark wood and so when I saw my friend had a dog named Koa I was like oh I have to totally steal that from my book I just love the name Koa because it's so easy to say it's easy to spell right yeah and it's just a nice flow and I, I like the flow right yeah and I just I just learned something Koa wood I've never heard of it so yeah, you, if you Google like Koa furniture, Koa wood furniture, it's amazing. And there's things all over Hawaii that are made out of Koa wood and it's beautiful stuff. Oh, wow. So when's the last time you've been to Hawaii? I have not been there for 10 years and I really feel wow. like I need to go back very soon. <laughs> I miss it. I so what did, you like, what, what did you like there. about it the most? What did I like the most about it? Um... The people are amazing. Um, the kind of like the vibe, the lifestyle is so much more laid back. And 
Um, we used to go to the beach just about every single weekend and just kind of hang out for a few hours or, you know, just the, the outdoor lifestyle because it's so nice all the time. Um, here in Nebraska, we don't have we don't have that 75 to 85 degree day very often, but there it's like year round. So it's it really is paradise. So for the viewers and listeners that are out there listening, where about is Nebraska? If you look at the United States, we're right in the middle, the center of everything. Um, so uh, in the Midwest east of the Colorado and the Rocky Mountains, and then not quite as far as like Chicago and in Iowa. Oh, cool. I've, ne I've never been that way. So I might have to come that way. I just love the name Nebraska. I, I just think it, it sounds like a beautiful horse. Like it just <laughs> sounds exactly. free. <laughs> it's a, I think it's an Indian name, but yeah, I think it's from like the American Indians, but I'm not actually sure. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I didn't grow up here, so I've only lived I've lived here for quite a long time, but I didn't grow up here. So I didn't get all the education that you get when you're in elementary school here. Yeah, it just sounds Nebraska. like a country, like a country, like wild free, you know. Well, people think it's like flat and boring because if you've only driven through on your way to somewhere else on Interstate 80, it is kind of flat and boring. But if you get off Interstate 80, there's plenty of beautiful things to do here and see here. So I love living here. Well, there you go. Right. And maybe in the next book you have is Nebraska, the dog. <laughs> 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 so, Kelly, you're an a ASL uh, interpreter. So mm -hmm. what has that taught you about yourself, learning the language yourself? Um, I don't know. I love languages. I love to study languages. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, to me that the language is the means by which you get to know the people. So I really, one of my favorite things is just being in relationships with people and getting to know people better. And so by being able to speak directly to them through the language, I get a better sense of who they are. Whereas if you don't know the language, you kind of have to go through an interpreter, which is my job, what I do. So I'm lucky that I get to be one foot in the deaf world and one foot in the rest of the world. And so I can kind of go back and forth and I understand the people directly. Same thing like when I travel to other countries and I'm stumbling along trying to understand what other people are saying, it's, it's a struggle, right? It's, yeah. it's hard when you don't know the language of the people. So I don't really think of it as the language itself. It's more just a means, a way for me to connect with the people directly, with the deaf people. Oh, awesome. So you said you have four kids. I do. So do your four children know ASL? Yeah, when they were babies, um, you know, you can learn, um, babies can learn sign language much faster than they can learn to speak. Oh. You're, just physically, you can't speak until you're older. But like babies as young as six months old can do some signs even before they can talk. And so um, I taught my kids from the time that they were little, just, you know, simple signs that I'm sure a lot of kids learn, you know, like more and please and thank you and milk and cracker and things like that. So my kids know, knew all of those signs when they were growing up. And then as they got older, they, I taught them some more. They can all finger spell. But, you know, they're not around deaf people all the time. And as with any language, if you don't use it every day, sometimes you forget things. I think the thing is, and I kind of say this with my books too, you, you might not use it every day, but I just want people to be comfortable with deaf people. A lot of hearing people watch the deaf people signing and they get kind of um, nervous to approach them or to try to talk to them. And it's yeah. like, just try. <laughs> like... A lot of gestures that are just normal gestures, you know, make sense. Like people can understand you, but I think people get kind of intimidated that they don't know the language. And so then they're afraid to talk to deaf people, but there's so many other things you can type in your phone and then show them, or you can talk in your phone in the microphone and then show them what you say. People are, you know, deaf people are pretty smart. They can, they can figure out how to talk to you if they want to. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's like that with anything, right, Kelly? Is yeah. if we don't understand it, we're we're fearful of it, right? And we're scared to try and understand it. Instead, we just avoid it and we just go away, you know. But that doesn't solve anything. So I want to get a little bit of ASL from you, Kelly. So <laughs> I want to see if you know how to say tea time. Tea time. This is the same for tea. So it's just like you're, you know, putting your your tea in your cup. So yeah, tea. And then um, time, obviously, time. So Super simple. And you had mentioned the the uh, speaking with the fingers. What what is that? So like the alphabet. So you know the ABCs that are on your fingers. Yeah. So um, the the ASL, the American Sign Language alphabet. It's just the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> But I did notice Kelly is on TikTok. So for any of the viewers out there and listeners, if you want to check out, Kelly has been putting some really incredible videos up. I've been checking them out. You actually had the sign language interpreter, uh, in, uh, interpreter do the farts makes noise. Yes, that was Amy. That's one of the videos. Was that mm -hmm. hilarious? Yes, I really liked it. I I, I watched it a couple times. I won't lie. Because I was He's just like, so oh, that is, is so cool. Like, you know, uh, just to understand because mm -hmm. I'm I'm big on research and understanding things. Why does it do this? Like, how did they get that? Like, just the tea time. Like, I would have never even thought of that. You know? Yeah, a lot of things are gestures, like drink. You know, um, gosh, my brain's kind of dead today. But book, read. Like a lot of things are just the way you would, if you could picture them, that's yeah. what they look like. But yeah, Amy, those videos. Um, the farts one. She does another one about birthday because so um, American Sign Language isn't, it's American. So the entire America, but then each region kind of has an accent. So just like okay. when you speak, yep. someone from the South speaks different than someone from Minnesota. So the signs are kind of, there's like some regional signs or some slang too. So like the sign for birthday depends where you live. People will sign it differently. And so she kind of talks about that in another video. She shows, I think, like five different signs for birthday. So it's kind of like your accent. Yeah. Kind of cool. But, do you notice I have an accent? Because a lot of people say that. They're like, oh, you have an accent, girl. And I'm like, I don't hear it. I don't know. It. <laughs> are you from, are you from, are you from Canada? Where are you from? I'm from Canada, but yeah. I, I, my ancestors are in the region and German. So I don't know, maybe. Oh. Uh, no, I hear the Canada. Yep. Canada A. Nebraska, <laughs> to say that we don't have an accent in Nebraska. We're actually famous for um, a lot of the broadcasters on the on the news come from the Midwest because they have less of an a strong accent that they have to lose or practice over. But oh, um, I, don't I, know. I, I only not. hear it I'm when sure I we listen. Still have an accent. Yeah, I only hear it when I replay. And then I'm like, oh, there's that accent everybody keeps talking about. But when I'm talking, I don't hear it, right? So yeah. So if you could change anything about the deaf community right now, what would you change? I wouldn't change anything about the deaf community. I think they're awesome. What I would change is um, how people who can hear don't give them enough access to everything that that we all have access to um you know the americans with disabilities act was passed in 1990 this is the 1990 yeah this is the we've, it's been a long time since that law was passed and we still have things that aren't captioned or that um, they try to go to a public speech um a few years ago during the pandemic, the White House was doing updates every day and they weren't providing an ASL interpreter. So they had to fight to get an ASL interpreter at the press conferences. Um, just stuff like that, like stuff that should be accessible isn't. And so um, I, yeah, I just, I think that the language is like, gives you access to all the opportunities that everyone else has. So I want the deaf community to have access to what everybody else has. And I think that's fair. I, th I, th I think as a, the deaf community should have the same rights as everyone else. You know, uh, it's sad that because of disabilities or because of lack of hearing or anything like that, that they don't have the same. 
You know, so let's change that. So anybody who's listening to this tea time, if you can change it, if you can change the community that you're in or bring awareness and services, please check out and, you know, join up with Kelly and let's see what we can do. Let's open some doors and let's really spill some good strong tea on ASL language. Um, is there a reason why it's called ASL? Like, is there a difference between American Sign Language and Canadian Sign Language? Or is there even a Canadian Sign Language? That's a great question. Um, interestingly enough, I think that there are some differences regionally in Canada, but most people who are deaf in Canada use American Sign Language. So I suppose it should be like North American Sign Language. Yeah. But um, there are, every country has its own sign language. So there's Mexican sign language, um, British sign language, uh, German sign language. I was just recently, for the last two weeks, I've been doing an interpreting job. Normally I can't talk about my interpreting jobs, but this one was kind of public, so I can talk about it. But there was a group of students um, visiting from Southeast Asia for a, a class that they were doing on civic engagement. And one of the students is from Indonesia. And oh, I don't know Indonesian sign language and she doesn't know American sign language. So we had the best time because they hired um, deaf interpreters who know Indonesian sign language and then some kind of international sign gestures. And so we had four interpreters working together through this whole um, institute so like I would sign in ASL, I would listen to the words in English, I would sign in ASL, the deaf interpreter would take my ASL and put it into Indonesian sign language so that the student understood it. And then when she wanted to contribute, she would sign and then it would come back to me and I would say it in English. So it was this kind of complicated but super cool process of, you know, getting that language through there. So yeah, every country has its own sign language and I don't know all of them. <laughs> well, that's cool. Cause I, I was always wondering like if there was different sign languages for different countries and, you know, and you were mentioning early about the accents and all that for the different regions. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's good to know because anyone who's watching now or the replay later, you can check out in your country and maybe connect with Kelly and, you know, kind of have a conversation. Actually, I've gone, I've traveled quite a bit and I've met deaf people in lots of different countries. And I feel like when I meet a deaf person who signs, we can get, we can figure out what each other is saying a lot easier than when I meet a person who speaks a different language. Cause when I hear it, I can't understand what they're saying very well. It's so fast and it's so, yeah. um, I just don't, I don't have the ear for it, but when we gesture, we can take like the signs that we know, but we, since we, we think more visually and we can describe things visually, um, I can communicate with a deaf person in another country way, way easier than I can by trying to speak or listen to someone else. So you said that you do a bunch of workshops in that. So what age group do you work with? For interpreting? Yeah. I don't teach workshops. I interpret at the local college. So like oh, okay. students who are deaf and we have faculty and staff. And so um, I go to classes or meetings and stuff and I interpret those. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to connect with you, Kelly, how can they can connect with you? Probably the best way to find me is my website, which is just my name, kellybrockenhoff.com. And then if you just kind of like, I like pictures. I like taking pictures. Um, usually of my goofy dog or my really cute grandkids. And so I usually put those on Instagram. So in my Instagram, I think you're going to post that. Yep, there it is. Yep. So yeah, you can follow me on Instagram if you just want to chat and see my, my weird dog and like food, that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to know more about my books or anything, that's on my website. Well, that's cool. And she is all over it. Like she's on Twitter. She's on LinkedIn. She's on Pinterest. Yeah. So, so what do you like about Pinterest? Oh my gosh. I love Pinterest. I was one of the first people, like I was on Pinterest when you still had to get invited to be on Pinterest. I used to Oh, have, you've been on it a while, girl. I have. So <laughs> I used to have in my house, like all these binders. And if I would get a magazine and it had a good recipe, I'd rip out the recipe and stick it in a binder. Or if I saw a picture of a cool 
um, decorating thing. I would rip it out of the magazine and stick it in a binder. So I had all these binders and all these pictures. And if someone gave me an article or a newspaper article, I would save all of those things in my house. <laughs> guess what? That's like crazy now, right? We don't do that. So I can go on Pinterest and I have a different board for all of those topics. And then I, anytime I find a picture or an article or something that I want to remember, I just stick it in the board. So it's like kind of having to me, like having an online filing cabinet of all the things that I need to know later. And I can just go back, especially recipes and food. I love to cook and I love trying new recipes. So I can go back and find like, okay, I'm trying to look for that dish that I made or that I like, and I can just search on chicken and a bunch of my stuff comes up. I love Pinterest. Do you like Pinterest? <laughs> I'm on Pinterest too. I've been on, I think for five years now. I'm just oh. like, my folders are full. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like imagine if we saved all of that in the house, right? I used to save all of that in my house. <laughs> I can tell you how thrilling it was when I finally went downstairs and dumped all those notebooks out. Oh, I mean, it, it was like shelves of them. So, Kelly, if you could describe yourself in one word, what word would it be? <laughs> you want the honest answer today? I do. Tired. <laughs> Tired. And this is why I said the T's are different every time, right? Because the word that Kelly gave me when I did, first started talking with Kelly was joyful. Yes. So let's get a little bit of tired and joyful from you. I am joyful and tired. Um, so like I said, I was just in this um, interpreting job for 18 days with these young leaders from Southeast Asia who are just on fire. They have all these ideas about how to make their country better or their community better. They have all these different topics that they studied. They came to America where they met state senators and the mayor and we went to Mount Rushmore and we just saw everything there is to see in this area. They got to meet each other. Um, they got to meet uh, the student who was deaf from Indonesia and they got to learn some sign language. So they just had this really rich experience, but oh my gosh, we were there like every day from eight in the morning until like nine at night. And then I had to, they all flew out at like three o'clock in the morning the other day and I was there. So yeah, I'm kind of like sleep deprived at this point. <laughs> and it was like, She's like God, I'm still standing. <laughs> yeah, it was intense because, you know, you're around a group of people for two or three weeks and it's like that intense and, you know, relationships are being built and bonds are being made and you kind of like just want to live in the moment and just soak it all up. But then it's also just like physically exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like that with vacation too, right? We want to go to yeah. vacation and then when we get yeah. home, we're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> you need a vacation from your vacation. Exactly. Right? Definitely. So Kelly, I also did ask you, what was your favorite color? And you gave me the color green. What does green mean to you? Well, I kind of laugh because, you know, my name is Kelly. So Kelly green is my favorite color. Um, green, I don't know, it just makes me happy. It makes me joyful. Um, it's just a good, it's like a lie, it's alive. It's a bright flowing color, right? Yeah. So do you have any projects that are coming up? Yes, I have several. Um, my latest Duke the Deaf Dog book is called Sometimes I Like the Quiet. And it's about, uh, a lot of deaf students or deaf kids who have hearing aids um, or cochlear implants, they spend a lot of brain energy all day. And I'm sure you know this as if you don't have complete hearing, like you have to pay attention to what people are saying to make sure that you're not missing stuff. Yep. And so if something's really important, you pay really good attention so that you don't miss anything. But Sometimes I think other people don't realize that that takes a lot of work, like in your brain. And so after you get done paying attention, you might be really tired and maybe kind of grouchy. And I think teachers and parents especially don't give kids breaks during the day, like to just go off and be quiet or just yeah. to go off and get a rest, like a mental break, because it's a lot of work all day, every day to try to be keeping up with stuff. And we, I think people who can hear, you know, well, don't understand how much work that takes. 
So a lot of kids will just either, when they get home from school, they want to take off their hearing aid or they want to take off their cochlear implant or they whatever. And parents and stuff are kind of like, oh no, you know, we want you to have it on. But it's like, you know what, sometimes quiet's good. I like to be in the quiet. I like to be alone sometimes. I'm an extrovert, but sometimes I have to be quiet. So giving people that space, like kids that um, independence and just the right to say, that's enough. I'm done. I need to go be by myself now. I need to go be quiet and just to like, let them do that. So that's kind of what that book is about. Oh, that's cool. And I like it because I I am like that. Sometimes I take the hearing and people will send me the voice notes and I'm like, ah, I got to go get my ears because I can't hear you, you know, but I, I do like that quiet time. I like to take them out because having them in all the time, there is a buzzing at times sometimes, you know, so we just like the quiet. So and- people who can hear, we don't real like, we think that not hearing is a bad thing. But it's not. It's just different. So like you said, you have found ways to cope, like times when you want to hear and times when you don't care. And that should be your choice. And that should be something that no one judges you for or tells you you're doing it wrong. And I think little kids should have that option, too. Absolutely. So any final words before we wrap up your tea time, Kelly? Oh, just thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking to you. I appreciate it. And yeah, anybody who wants to know more about me, my website's probably the the best place to come find me, um, find out all about my books, order them, whatever. Follow me on Instagram. Here I am. <laughs> so it, before we wrap up, Kelly, could you list all of the books that you have available? Sure. So my mysteries, I have three of the adult mysteries, Death by Dissertation, Dead Week and Dead of Winter Break. They all kind of have a theme of college stuff. And then the children's books are Nevermind, Farts Make Noise, My Dad Koa, and then coming later this fall is Sometimes I Like the Quiet. I'm working on also an anthology. So um, I'm going to have a short story next year and a book with a bunch of other mystery authors. So that is going to be fun. Um, I'm working on my fourth mystery book right now, just called Death 101, which is the name of a course at my fictional college. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You are busy, busy, busy. I am. Isn't it fun, though? I would rather be busy than just sitting around. Yeah, you're like me. I like to stay busy because when it gets too quiet, then I'm like, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I got to do something here. (laughs) I just have so many things I want to do and so many people I want to hang out with. Like, I just, yeah. I'm just one of those people. Well, it was really amazing having you on Tea Time and that. And stay connected. You know, if you need anything at all, this is what we're here for. We're here to connect and all that. So for any of the listeners and viewers that are watching now or watching the replay, if you'd like to connect with Kelly, her website is showing in the video. In the audio platforms, you will find all of Kelly's information in the description. So be sure to check that out as well. You And if you can't find what you're looking for, you can all always reach out to me, Miss Liz, or you can reach out to Kelly through her platforms on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, because she's on TikTok. Let's get her to a thousand so she can start doing some live ASL. You know, let's get really motivated and let's push and open some doors and changes for the deaf community out there. Today's tea time is to bring awareness to the deaf community. And I want to thank Kelly for all the work that you do and that and stay connected keep pushing through and keep spilling that tea because your tea is teaching energy and access. So I really love it. It's a really good, strong cup of tea. (laughs) And Kelly is closing up August. Can you believe we're already done August? We're going into September. So Kelly, any big plans for September before we close up your tea time? Um, yeah, September. Well, I'm really excited to get started. I like I, I interpret at the local college, so I can't wait to dive into the new classes and see what I'm going to be learning this semester. The best thing about interpreting at the college is I get to go to the classes, but I don't have to take the tests or write the papers. So, well, that's good, <laughs> right? It's always fun when you can just be a part of it, but you don't have to do the work for it, right? Like the, the testing and all of that. That's so that's really incredible. 
So I want to thank each and every one of you for, who have tuned in today for Tea Time with Miss Liz and Kelly Brackenhoff. And be sure to check out her website if you would like to learn more about what she does with the ASL community. Also, in September, we are starting off a new group of people. So we have some incredible Tea Times coming in September. So we're going to start off with Ron Zalkowski. I'm not... I'm. My tongue just doesn't want to. And, and he'll be speaking about the long walk home for veteran support on PTSD and suicide prevention. And then we are jumping into DC Gomez, who will be coming in and speaking about fantasy and children's book and overcoming limited beliefs. Then we're jumping into Israel. And we have Ifi Fedida and Gallet Lore Grosser, who has been on Tea Time in the first year. So she'll be coming in and sitting and they will be speaking about mothers learn to identify child abuse prevention then we're jumping into dr mari hill for 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 from the united states and she is an inductee of the best-selling author international organization and she'll be there for trauma awareness then we're closing up with philip frakaski with horror stories that's right. We got all different flavors, all different blends. And that's what we do is we serve different types of tea. So if one tea doesn't resonate with you, the next one will. And then on the 20th of September, look out for October's guests. You will see there is incredible, incredible flavors coming throughout the year of 2022. And Kelly, again, thank you for joining me today on Tea Time. And thank you to the viewers and listeners out there. I appreciate you all for tuning in and checking us out. And if you'd like to find Miss Liz... Just Google Miss Liz's Tea Times and you'll find me all over. I'm on all social media platforms. The goal for this show is to bring awareness and to inspire and motivate changes. So if you're one of those people and you want to make a change, reach out to me, Miss Liz, and we will make a difference together. One cup of tea at a time. And I will see everyone September 1st for the first September's guests. Thank you for tuning in and watching Tea Time with Miss Liz.